We fired our guns and the British kept a coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run it. On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be reviewing the Soteriology 101 video where they talk about determinism, open theism, Calvinism, how free will works with a closed future. And uh, so we're going to just uh, jump right in there. We're going to skip to about the 16 and a half minute mark and uh, try to get to the meat of their claims. There's people who have asked me to review this. I think a lot of this stuff we've covered before uh, covered how there's no one that really claims that God's foreknowledge of future events is causative. Like like my knowledge of things don't cause those things to exist. My knowledge of a red car does not spawn a red car into existence, nothing like that. And uh, how our knowledge, if it's the knowledge that we're using in this theological setting where the knowledge is of some of some true proposition, that means that God's foreknowledge of all events is propositional knowledge of propositions with truth values. Before I was ever born, before I ever came to existence, all the truth values of all my future acts have been eternally, eternally uh, set. They're fixed. It's faded. I have no choice in the matter. Not even God can undo what God knows the future will bring. Not even God can undo what he knows he will do in the future in this model. Those events are set. They're fixed. There's, there's no undoing them. Even God is a slave to fatalism. In traditional Arminianism and Calvinism, God is a slave to fate. Just, just let's think about that. If I was going to wear a red shirt tomorrow, and God knows, knows, that means he has accurate propositional truth value knowledge of the fact that I'm going to wear a red shirt tomorrow. Uh, if Can I choose a different color shirt? Can he have me uh, switch a different color shirt to like green or something like that? Well, the answer is no, because we already established that God's propositional knowledge is of truth values that exist. That truth value has to play out as that truth value. If I'm eternally foreknown to wear a red shirt tomorrow, I will, no fail, wear that red shirt. There's no option to otherwise. Even though we can imagine it in our head, oh, we can imagine a green shirt. No, if the truth value is fixed, there's, there's no possibility. There's no probability. There's, there's no alternative. There's no alternative world in which I wear a green shirt. If the one true future has propositional truths assigned to them in which I wear a red shirt. It's just incompatible. But uh, Arminians, they're, they're funny. It's, it's almost like they, they don't want to acknowledge the argument. And so they, they opt instead to dig up a straw man and set it on fire. Dig up the straw man as saying, oh, you guys claim that the knowledge is causative. God's knowledge causes the future. No, my knowledge of a red car does not cause that red car. So I don't know what you're saying. So we're just going to hit play and, and see what they say. It's not like I've I've reviewed this, this section to make sure it's a relevant section. It just seemed to be around the right place where uh, we need to be. So I'm going to hit play. I'm not trying to misrepresent my friends who are open theists, just like I don't want to misrepresent my friends who are Calvinist. Uh, and, and ironically enough, as William Lane Craig argues, 
uh, open theists and Calvinists tend to be strange bedfellows on this in this regard because both of them seem to deny that God has the ability to know the future libertarianly free choices of creatures. Um, and that's an interesting claim, given that it seems to, ironically, as, as I argue, uh, seem. Uh, I always when when I'm talking to people and they say open theists don't think God knows the future, I say I know the future. And my 100% prediction correctness rate on my program is pretty good evidence that I can know the future. And so uh, what what happens when you turn into theology, when you, when you tune into theology and you want to talk theological definitions of words, their knowledge is not how we u- normally use knowledge. Our, our normal use of knowledge is a justified true belief. It's a verified ex post facto about things in the future. I know my little girl will run up and hug me when I come home from work. Th- those types of things are knowable. And But notice how that knowledge works. It's not every single detail. It's not if I know uh, an event is going to happen, that doesn't mean I know each jogging step she's going to take, how many steps, uh, what exact word she's going to use. I don't necessarily know those things. I know a general truth value about the future that typically plays out. You could say I have knowledge of the future. But when you turn to theology, you turn to metaphysics, what they mean by having knowledge is direct access to propositional truth values that exist somewhere in the ether. This is unfalsifiable knowledge. We got to point that out again. This is unfalsifiable knowledge. So it doesn't matter if I know a whole bunch of things in the future and one thing that I knew was going to happen doesn't turn out. That would that would uh, make make a mockery of what they're trying to use for knowledge. That knowledge cannot not come to pass in their system because their philosophical definition of knowledge is direct access to existing propositional truth values. It's not our normal understanding of knowledge. So always when you're dealing with Arminians and uh, Calvinists. Just try to point this out that the definitions we're using, because they'll bait and switch you. They'll do this uh, Moton Bailey thing where where they want to use one definition of knowledge at one point when it behooves them and then retreat back to their metaphysical, philosophical definition when when they really want to turn the guns on you after you've already omitted to something else. Uh, like Matt Slick, oh, it's so funny. He, he was talking to me in person and he said, uh, basically, I know that uh, your brother-in-law is going to go out to the car after this debate. And he said, well, absent like a, a meteor hitting him or something. Yeah, so what you're, you're telling me is it's not 100% knowledge. It's not direct access to propositional truth values. But you could generally know things based on predictions, based on uh, past events, probability, your knowledge of human nature. You can know things about the future. But he wanted to claim that in the same way that he could know my brother-in-law is going to do something, God can know the future free actions of human beings. It is a bait and switch. It's not falsifiable. But in the Bible, God's knowledge is often falsified. He says, I thought you would do one thing. I thought you would return to me, and you didn't. It's a pretty common experience in God's in God's life, in the, in the struggle with Israel, Israel means struggles with God, in God's continuous struggle with Israel to be let down, to think one thing's going to happen and another thing happens. It's pretty common for God to have his knowledge of the future falsified. So it's, it doesn't matter how many things about the future you do know. That's not what we're discussing. 
and open theists readily admit that God knows quite a lot about the future using normal definitions of knowledge. But what's very interesting is the times that God it fails, fails in his knowledge, fails to adequately predict things, even repents of his own actions. Those are the interesting data points to open theism. Seems to deny God's either God's omniscience or his omnipotence uh, in that he doesn't really know all things as the open theist might claim uh, versus he may not be able to have the power to know the future libertarianly free choices of creatures as the Calvinist would ultimately have to claim. And so it, it seems to me the Calvinist has to come to the conclusion that the only way God can know the future choices of creatures is if he determines, causally determines, in fact, the future choices of creatures and calls them free because they're doing what they want. Uh, when, in, in essence, he's, he's determining their wants, and that's the way he, he, he knows what they will want to do and choose to do, quote-unquote, freely in the compatibilistic sense because they're doing what they want, because he determined what they want, and therefore he can only know what he has determined. Yeah, we got to remember, though, that in Calvinism, they affirm divine simplicity. They affirm divine pure actuality with no potentiality. And so James Dolezal, in his book, he appeals to mystery. How can God choose between creations where, where God doesn't have any potentiality in him? So what that means is there's no wavering in God. There's there's no decision between choices in God. God can't actualize in one way in one scenario in a different way in a different scenario. God is pure act is what they say. God is a say. He's pure act. And as such, um that the the world that's created, it's not like a choice for God. They appeal to mystery to claim it's a choice, but you can't have that with divine simplicity. So even in that system, Calvinist system, God is as subject to fate as everyone else. God is subject to this determinism. It all It's all a fated universe. Causally determines, in fact, the future choices of creatures and calls them free because they're doing what they want. Uh, when, in, in essence, he's, he's determining their wants, and that's the way he, he, he knows what they will want to do and choose to do, quote-unquote, freely in the compatibilistic sense because they're doing what they want, because he determined what they want, and therefore he can only know what he has determined. So in a sense, they seem to be denying. So I'm in the chat down below and I write, Classical omniscience is that God's knowledge is ungenerated, not in himself nor outside himself. God's non-generated knowledge is actually pretty key because they affirm that God doesn't learn from outside or inside himself. He just has inherent knowledge of all things, which talks to the eternal truth values of all my future acts. It talks to fatalism. God's knowledge is is of truth values that do exist. Everything that I will ever do is fated in their system, per their own definitions. And they're not going to get around that, except for, I don't know, if they, they try to ignore it or something. Omniscience, in the sense that, that we would claim omniscience, is in, entailed in his knowledge of future free choices. Well, they don't have future free, libertarianly free choices on Calvinism. They're, they're determined choices. He's chosen what they will choose, and that's how he knows what they will choose, because he has determined it, which denies what we would consider omniscience. Um, help, help our audience to understand this and the dynamics of this, because, I, again, I know there's a lot of nuances, Eric, and this is where your specialty steps in. And I know we had this discussion with the particular Baptist podcast, and you did a really good job explaining, I think, to the layman uh, I, don't, I would con consider myself in that category sometimes when it comes to the, some of these things, but 
explain to our audience the the issues here with regard to divine omniscience uh, and in gaining of knowledge. Um, surely, are you saying? Let me put it this way. Let me ask you the question: If if God doesn't have exhaustive knowledge of all things, then He must be learning as He goes along, or He must be gaining knowledge as He's going along. Um, and and that, that seems to be maybe what the uh, open theist is concluding and what James White is saying is, well, the only way you can be a true, good, non consistent non-Calvinist is to be like the open theist and just think that God's gaining knowledge as the world goes along. How would you push back on that? <clears throat> yeah, well, well, a few things. Um, first, even to the question he asked in the response, he said, does God know the end from the beginning, yes or no? I think what that really should be is two questions because there's a hidden assumption behind that question. The two, the first question could be what he asked, does God know the end from the beginning, yes or no? I would say yes, but the second question implicit in his Calvinistic view in that question should be a separate question, has God causally determined the end from the beginning, yes or no? So to the first question, Yes, he knows the end from the beginning. Has God caused to determine the end from the beginning? That I would answer that no. So, <laughs> I always think it's funny when people are like, "Well, you should break this up into two questions or something like that." How about how about instead of that, open theist? Here's how you deal with these Calvinists asking nonsense questions. Ask him to define these words. End of what? The beginning of what? In what way did he know? What what type of knowledge is being described here? So have them clarify their questions. They've never been asked these things before, so they will refuse to clarify their question. What they want is a little gotcha. They want to say, you want you to say yes. Oh, yes. Oh, you affirm Calvinism. Or no. Oh, no, you deny the Bible. But the thing is that uh, the, the reference that they're pointing to with this gotcha question, they don't know their own context. And so making them define the question will diffuse their trick their trap and and you really should if you're asking questions you should be able to clarify what you mean uh, what what is what do you mean by no and what what knowledge what type of knowledge are you using how we normally use knowledge like normal people uh, what do you mean by end end of what you know, what do you mean by beginning beginning of what and so as soon as they start putting in these clarifying does God know the propositional truths of all events? Yeah, what's the scope? Does God propositionally know the 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 uh, propositional truth values of all events from the beginning of time to the end of time? Yes or no? That's a little bit different than did God know the end from the beginning? And so make them clarify. Uh, they, they've never been asked that before. They'll freeze and they'll hemi and they'll ha. They'll get mad at you for a asking them questions about the meaning of their own question. Calvinists, they, they, they want gotchas. They want to think in uh, single phrases. They want us to think in cliches. And so making them go one layer deeper, uh, that, that's, that's, uh, that's the way to destroy them. That's the way to uh, uh, trigger all their trigger all their insecurities that make them go haywire it, it's it's a little flaw in the system they'll, they'll start glitching because they they've never ran across this protocol before like they're input output robots really so if you're talking about any issue they got their predefined predefined talking points about any any uh subject so a really good example of this is there's that ancient jewish letter about the writing of the septuagint and in that, uh, there's a phrase that says God draws all men to himself because of his, uh, how, how good he is. His, his, uh, 
goodness and, and beneficialness and his uh, benignity, I think was the King James type of verbiage used. That's, that's what it said. And I just asked a question on a website saying, well, what does this mean that God draws all men to himself by how good he is? Uh, what kind of drawing is this? Is this all types of men or is this all men? And what's the mechanism? And then, of course, <laughs> of course, there's a Calvinist in the comments that just wants to talk about the reference in John about drawing. They don't care about my question. They got their little talking points. This is outside the scope of their talking points and they don't know how to react. So they go start talking about something I didn't even ask about. I'm not asking you to uh, tell me all about your interpretation of the Bible. I'm asking you to read a real life phrase in a real life ancient Semitic letter. That's something like that. Can, can you do that? <laughs> can you do that? Or are you just this robot? That's uh, programmed to spit out uh, pre-programmed responses to anything that's said. Can you use your brain to think for one second? Ah, they, they can't. They can't. It, it's it's all pre-programmed. You you just start watching the patterns. They have their programmed response that that's been embedded into them. They don't know how to think outside. They don't know how to deal with questions that mix things up or aren't asked in a specific way. That's why it's very important when when asking questions, you just start asking them things that they can't avoid. So instead of, did Calvin kill Servetus? A better question is, did Calvin think that he killed Servetus? Uh, they could hem and haw all day about, oh, Calvin didn't kill Servetus because don't you know he had accomplices? Don't you know that all these other churches wanted to kill him too? Huh? See? See? That doesn't answer the question if Calvin killed Servetus. A lot easier to say, did Calvin think that he killed Servetus? It's yes or no. They might they might say, oh, we don't know. Then you could point to letters of uh, Calvin saying, I did it. And then we could ask also, did Servetus think Calvin killed him? And uh, they could hem and haw all day. Uh, they might be able to throw out their little talking points on the Servetus issue. But we got letters by Servetus saying that Calvin is a homicide. He's a man killer. Calvin was trying to kill Servetus in Servetus's own mind. So ask them pointed questions that they can't run from, that they can't avoid. Did Calvin think that he killed Servetus? Switch it up and then their programming falls apart. They haven't been programmed to respond to these questions. They've been programmed to run and deflect from all your other questions, and so point your questions, and then you gotta stick to those questions. You can't just let them, oh, go off on John when you're when you're trying to talk about a different entire document in the history of the world. You can't let them go off on their little exegesis of John. Yeah, that, it doesn't work like that. You gotta call them on it, call them publicly, and point out that they're avoiding questions. That's what these people do. We can't let them get away with their disingenuous and malicious interaction. Consistently malicious and disingenuous. Well, in other words, to answer a yes or no to this doesn't get what he wants to get unless you assume that the only way God can know the end from the beginning is if he causes it. So his, his issue here is the hidden assumption that unless God causes all things, then God cannot know the things in which he does not cause or what they would say decree. Um, what's puzzling here is 
uh, quite a few things. <clears throat> um, like you said, it, 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 it's going to have to uh, lose one of the uh, omni attributes. Uh, I know Tim Stratton has an omni argument against uh, a Calvinism that he uses and basically argues that you're going to have to give up one of these omni attributes if you're going to hold to a Calvinistic view. So <clears throat> when, we, uh, when, when we're looking at, at this, if God cannot know the actions of things from free creatures that he doesn't cause, then I would question whether or not God is, uh, let's say, omniscient, because why can't he know that? So let, let's first define omniscience. Omniscience is defined as God knows all true propositions and does not believe any false ones. Now, a proposition is just the content of a sentence. So if I say snow is white, or if I say it in Spanish, nieve es blanco, they're both the same proposition in that they both have the same content, but they're different words, different languages, but the content's the same. God knows the truth uh, value or the falsity of every proposition. So if something's true, God knows it. So I'll put it like this. Um, Eric ate pizza yesterday. That's true or false. It's a proposition that's true or false. God's going to know whether or not it's true or false. Uh, Eric is going to eat pizza today. That is true or false. God knows it. And then there are future tense propositions like Eric will eat pizza tomorrow. That is true or false and God would know it. So if the definition of omniscience is that God knows the truth or falsity of every proposition, that would include future tense propositions. Now, right. that being said, I would say that a, a necessary attribute of God is that he is inherently omniscient, which means he is omniscient by his very nature. There's nothing that he has to so this is uh, what we're talking about. So I think I had asked the question of, I gave the money to answer the question that uh, do they affirm that God's omniscience is not generated in himself or outside himself? They don't really give a direct answer once they once they actually pull up the question. That's kind of, kind of a bummer. You pay for something and you don't quite get a direct answer. But here's here they're talking about God's simple, ungenerated knowledge. That means eternally before I ever existed, the truth value of what shirt I'm going to be wearing tomorrow has been eternally uh, set. There, there's no changing it. Not even God, not even God can change what's eternally known. There's no mechanism for him to do that. There's no mechanism for him to change future truth values. They are what they are. His inherent knowledge tells us that these truth values are equally as inherent in this universe. It tells us we live in a faded universe. It tells us that we all, even God, even God is subject to fate in their system. In their system. Uh, it's it's funny to watch him hem and ha when you just start asking simple questions. If God knows I'm going to wear a red shirt tomorrow, can God stop me from doing that? Can God stop me from wearing a shirt that he knows I will wear? And if they say yes, then that's not a shirt that I would wear. I wasn't going to wear that shirt. God didn't know that I will wear that shirt. If God could stop me from wearing that shirt. It's an internal, internal contradiction in their system. They want to have mutable truth values, but inherent and set eternal truth values as well it doesn't work in their system gain in order to be omniscient it's like saying how does the number two become even well if the property of being even is a necessary attribute of the number two then it makes no sense to say that the number two exists 
before it is even and has to become even because it, it cannot exist as a number two without being even. Now, this is a response to James White. I don't think James White would disagree with any of this. So this does seem like a tangent on their part. That's not giving any points of disagreement or any points of nuance. So if it exists, it's going to have to be even. It does not gain the property of being even. With that said, kind of laying the foundation there, if God is a maximally great being and a necessary attribute that is essential to his nature is to be omniscient, then it makes no sense to ask or, or to claim or to push back by asking how it is that God would know the future tense propositions of what free creatures would do. Because if he is omniscient necessarily, then he does not gain knowledge by any kind of mediated way. In other words, it's not like um, it, it, if, we, if we were to apply this to a different attribute, like uh, you were talking about the discussion we had with the particular Baptist. Um, they kind of asked the question, well, how is it that God knows these things? But I said, well, if you ask the same question of how is it that God gains something, apply that to omniscient, I mean, to omnipotence. It's like asking, how is it that God is all powerful? But then to answer that question would be to assume there's some type of way he gains it. It'd be like saying, well, how many sets does he do? How many push-ups does he do? What kind of creatine does he take? What type of protein uh, is he using in order to gain his omnipotence? But it makes no sense to say that he gains it if he has it necessarily. So that being said, <laughs> how did you get Sonny on? Glad to hear Eric, though. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other story. Um, <clears throat> I guess because I'm brown and I have the last name Hernandez, people sometimes, <laughs> for whatever reason, ask me if I'm Sonny Hernandez. I don't know why. We Nothing alike. Um, so if God is necessarily omniscient and knows all true propositions, then you cannot ask how it is he gains it. So what uh, what people like White is trying to say that if – there are free creatures, and God cannot know the uh, free choices they'll make in the future. And then it becomes kind of like the open theist where he's gaining this knowledge. But like I said, if God is necessarily omniscient, you cannot ask how he gains it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's watch wh what they're admitting right here. So the Bible often gives the mechanism how God learns things, how knowledge comes to God. God tests to know the heart. It's a pretty common uh, refrain throughout the Bible. God tests to know. King David says, God, you've searched me and you have known. He says uh, later in the chapter, search me and see if there's any evil ways in me. God searches to know. And then it talks about God's eyes in the Psalms. God's in heaven and his eyes scan the earth. He looks down and sees all the ways of men. It's talking about a visual omniscience where information is flowing to God from outside. Their definition of knowledge, which they don't use when they're debating open theists. If they're in a debate with an open theist, they just want to say, oh, uh, omniscience means God knows everything. This is why we need to force the issue. Force the issue. What type of omniscience is it that you actually hold to? Uh, because that's pretty critical. That's pretty critical. It's just not normal knowing all truth values. You care about this classical attribute in which God cannot gain knowledge in which his knowledge can't increase, his knowledge set can't grow, because, because that's tied to all these other classical attributes. Simplicity, immutability, timelessness, uh, pure actuality, uh, that, that God has no potentiality in him. So he can't, he can't grow in knowledge if you're, you're pure act. Uh, these maximally great being type theologies, this is the heart of the issue. This is the heart of what open theists need to, need to be rooting their criticisms in. And this also diffuses a lot of their proof texts. 
They say, oh, God knows everything. See, here's a verse where God's watching the world for information. Hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. That seems to be my verse. That seems to be entirely disproving. This is so funny. I was dealing with, it was an Arminian or a Calvinist, and they used that verse. And I said, hey, wait a minute. That's proving the exact opposite of what you're trying to tell me. You're telling me that God's knowledge is inherent in his nature, and your proof text is, is a verse in which God watches the world. And he's like, oh, yes, the language is figurative. You're, you're using a figurative language proof text for your proof text to prove that God has ungenerated eternal knowledge of all things. And, and, and your verse literally describes what I'm actually arguing, the type of knowledge that God has in the Bible. And this is your proof text? This is, your, this is my proof text. This, did you read your own proof text? This is my proof text. Oh, it's so funny. That he knows it inherently before anything ever happened god knew what um all the possibilities of what could happen and then god once he uh once he creates the world yeah what they mean here is they don't they don't actually believe that there's a possibility that a different world could be actualized remember all truth values have an eternal truth value that's uh coexistent with god ungenerated and inherent in god's nature there's no other world that could have actualized. They they can't they can't think up a scenario in which a different world could have been generated other than the one that God eternally ungeneratedly knew that was going to materialize. They 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 want they like to <laughs> they like to try to argue by category. They say, "Oh, because we could think about the world and we can imagine the world actualizing differently. That means that means that uh, things are contingent, and uh, it could have it could have materialized that like that. But the thing is, it only works for open theists. Only open theists use our normal experiential knowledge of the world to formulate our belief about how the world works, how things uh, can have counterfactuals, how things could have been other. In their system, it's fraught with eternal eternal immutable truth values that god inherently knows from time eternal it's not knowledge that came to god at one time this knowledge is co-eternal with god as eternal and as as necessary as god is that's the that's the amount of necessary that these truth values are uh, that uh, people like to argue god is a necessary being means that he cannot not exist like he can't uncreate himself and all his attributes are also necessary his his attribute of omniscience as they have argued is necessary the necessary knowledge that he has of all these truth values are equally necessary if these truth values were different that would add potentiality to god that would falsify his uh, omniscience the, their their definition their definition of omniscience would be falsified if anything did not occur according to god's eternal ungenerated uh knowledge that's uh, co-equal to himself because of all god's attributes are equal to all other other of god's attributes divine simplicity all those attributes are equal so what that means is that the universe is all faded the universe is as necessary as god we are co-eternal with god god's just another passenger in this thing called fate in this thing called determinism he does not have volition god does not have volition in their system god cannot choose between options that's discursive knowledge 
that's making decisions, that's uh, choosing between alternatives. Uh, th- those those truth values cannot be set if God's choosing between alternatives. It doesn't work. Their system doesn't work. It's uh, inherently, internally, logically inconsistent. And just because Calvinists and also open theists, we pointed out, they say, oh, these guys are strange bedfellows agreeing on something that should be very non-contentious. Well, yeah, I, I hope more people, I, I hope atheists would join in with us in this group. And we all look at you like, what the heck are you talking about? Your internal, your system internally does not reason. It does not flow. It's internally contradictory. You say contradictory things that cannot at the same time be equal. Yeah, and I was just watching that Will Duffy discussion with uh, Rich Mullins and uh, he wrote the book The End of the Timeless God and uh, in in that discussion there's this great great uh, segment in which Mullins talks about William Lane Craig's idea that oh there's logical priorities rather than uh, things uh, being chronological like God can choose the world that's created uh, but that's just a logical priority that was coexistent and co-eternal with God but it's just a logical step that has to happen before these other steps that God's knowledge uh, precedes or it uh, God's knowledge comes after proceeds uh, God's decision to create the world, but it all happens simultaneously. And so you could get away with saying that God can make decisions and also God has inherent immutable knowledge. And Rich Mullins points out that it's, it's not a good it's not a good uh, thing to claim because when when they try to use the illustration of mathematics, one plus one equals two, both sides of those equations are equal. Uh, what they're trying to do with this logical sequence is saying that an uh, indeterminate universe is co-equal and existent with a determinate universe. Those things do not add up. The equal sign, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute. Those things are not equal. It's inherently contradictory and there there are little there are little ways to try to get around this there are logical uh priorities it doesn't doesn't pan out when you give it a basic a modem of thought world he knows what will happen but then there's this middle knowledge as a molinist i would hold to that god also knows what would happen in a different set of circumstances one more thing i'll say is that what's interesting and i asked dr craig this question on uh caption christianity once it seems that on the Molinist conception of God, God is actually, quote, more omniscient than the Calvinist conception of God. And the reason being is that on Calvinism, God only knows the future because he causes it. So the only thing he can know is what he is able to cause. But on the. Yeah, the thing about these claims is that any Calvinist who knows their own systematic theology and affirms divine simplicity would would basically agree with Eric Hernandez and Leighton Flowers about how, when, and why. Um, they're just going to make the distinction, the, the Arminians, the Provisionalists, uh, whatever Leighton Flowers is, they're going to make the irrelevant distinction that God doesn't cause all of these things, even though God actualized the universe with determinate truth values for all things that exist God's creation apparently didn't cause everything that happened directly, uh, no different, no functionally different than the Calvinist system in their mind. In reality, uh, they're, they're, they're the strange bedfellows. They have, they have the same beliefs about what God did and when God did it. 
They just want to claim that God has less responsibility in their system, which I'm not sure how they make that claim. It doesn't add up. It's not a coherent claim. The Molinist view, you could have that in God's items of knowledge, but you also have the items of knowledge of what libertarianly free creatures could or would do in a different set of circumstances. So on Molinism, you have everything that the Calvinists, quote, God would know, but you also have the future contingent uh, 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 actions of free creatures. So technically speaking, on the Molinist conception of God, God has more items of knowledge than the Calvinist conception of God. So if you want to boil it down and say, well, which one of these gods is more sovereign? Um, uh, I'm not sure if there's any Calvinist out there who would claim that God doesn't know counterfactuals. Sometimes they do that because they say counterfactuals are not real facts. And so God can't have contingent knowledge or knowledge that's not absolute you might find those people but they're making a different argument than what eric hernandez is making them makes making it seem like they argue uh no they're going to argue that those things aren't knowledge which actually makes a lot of sense in molinism all these other quote-unquote possibilities are not possibilities they cannot actualize there's no universe in which they do actualize because remember god has eternal ungenerated knowledge of all existing truth values of all things that all ever exist in Molinism, in Arminianism, in this provisionalism. That's what these people believe. It's the same as Calvinistic determinism. Maximal great being theology is kind of like a, a measuring stick that I use when I come to, uh, to, to weigh two different types of attributes and see which one of these is greater because whichever is greater is the one that God would possess. Uh, so for example, Say you have two beings, and they're both omniscient, but say being A is omniscient necessarily by its very nature, and being A taught being B everything. So these, these guys are, Eric Hernandez is very interested in maximally great being theology. And one of the big problems with this, uh, we've pointed out before, is it's incredibly subjective what uh, the, the maximally great being, his properties. What if I think pink is the best color? God must be the pinkest pink that ever exists because pink is the best color. Oh, God must not wear one hat. He must wear two hats because two hats are better than one. Oh, God must be wearing an infinite number of hats. You know, this this is the type of ludicrous thinking that these things devolve into. Uh, I, I, I literally I literally went to the Ramdenness conference, and that's what these guys are talking about. They're drawing equations on the board of what properties make a maximally great being the most maximally great. And, and all these, these scholars, these metaphysical scholars, scholars of metaphysics, they all disagreed with each other of what maxima, maximally great being, what properties he would have. It's so funny. So I guess, I guess there, that's one way to try to arrive at truth is to sit around in a room and just think up what attributes would best befit God. And then he, some guy's with the pipe and he's like, oh, the, the pink hat. He's wearing a pink hat. And then some guy on the other side of the room's like, two pink hats. That's better than one pink hat. And they go around and one guy says, I think the blue is the best color. Another guy says, no, pink is, you fool. You are so dumb. That's what these subjetic, sub, subjective a greatest being metaphysics comes down to these subjective, irrational arguments about what truth must be uh, throughout your, just using your own mind, just sitting in a room trying to contemplate your own your own uh, knowledge of truth values that, that are outside your mind. I'm sorry, you cannot generate truth in your mind. 
everything he knows. So now you have two omniscient beings, but which one's greater, the one that knows everything necessarily or the one that was taught by the former? Well, obviously the first one who knows everything necessarily. So if we use that same measuring stick and say, well, which God is more omniscient and even sovereign in control of these things by knowing these things? So Calvinists will do this too. Uh, they, they fall under the same ridiculous mindset. They'll say, oh, if you do anything, if you have to accept God in order for to get salvation, then you are more powerful than God. It's like, what, is, what sense does that make? And so if uh, I am the father and I offer my two-year-old candy and she says no, that means she's more powerful than me? My two-year-old's more powerful than me because she refused the candy that I tried to give her? Is, th is that how this works? It doesn't make sense. And it's, it's all part of the same uh, mental deficiency when people come to theology they just start making nonsense up and then then if it sounds it's it's like maybe everyone's sitting around doing pot and then someone comes up with like i think i think uh, ghosts are just uh, the time echoes of of tragic mistakes in the past stuff like that and everyone everyone's sitting around there nodding in agreement oh yeah that sounds about right yeah a lot of theology is is uh, marijuana laced hallucinations of what theology should be it's it's not practically based it's not based in reality it's based on whatever s someone said that they they thought sounded nice it makes for bad theology and uh eric hernandez here is is our exhibit one today things i would have to say it would be the Molinist conception of god well and, and yeah well put and it also comes to the, the, the question-begging fallacy, I think, that people like White sometimes employ with regard to the knowledge of God on our view being something he must have gained uh, from our perspective. And he did the same thing, I think, when he was debating uh, – um, who is his friend Brown? Uh, Michael Brown. Uh, he, he keeps kind of pushing Michael Brown on this about how does God gain this knowledge? How, how does God have this knowledge? And he keeps almost like it's, it's almost like he's insisting that the omniscience can't be inherent, like you have argued, that it has to be something that he has gained, almost like with omnipotence. It's almost like what you you illustrated before is that some people think that you know God might gain his power, like by doing a certain number of reps, you know, eating his creatine and doing doing the things he does in order to gain power somehow. And of course, none of us would believe that God is gaining power somehow. Nobody would argue that. We would just say he's inherently powerful. In the same way, we're not saying that he gains knowledge somehow. We, we just believe that he's inherently has all knowledge. Um, and that is beyond our full comprehension. Yeah, so he's, he's going to appeal to mystery right here. This is what he does. But that is the problem with their system, that there is an eternal a list of propositional truth values that exist outside of man that man didn't give input into uh, that uh, apparently God just has direct access to without mankind creating those. It's not our free will that's generating those truth values. It's an independent, independent truth value that pre-exists all our actions. It's fatalism. They believe in fatalism. Comprehension. That's beyond fully what we can explain. And so we're, we're, it's not a question of if God's omniscient. I think we can affirm God is omniscient. It's it's more of how is he omniscient. And the Calvinist seems to assume that how he's omniscient is by determining everything. And and we, we simply say he's omniscient by essence of his character, by essence of his nature as God. And therefore it's beyond full comprehension. We can't, you can't, nobody can explain how he becomes 
all powerful any more than we can explain how he becomes one who knows everything. And to insist that we somehow explain that uh, begs the question, because it, it's again, it's a determining, it, it's it's assuming a determinative answer is required. It assumes that God is gaining it somehow, like men would gain it. And that's what's so ironic about the the accusation is that they are stepping into the same world as I think our open theist friends are by assuming that God can't just have inherent knowledge of all things. Uh, and and it, that I don't know if uh, open theists quote-unquote, make that claim. When we deal with Arminian models, we need to adopt their system and show whether or not their system is internally inconsistent. And it is internally inconsistent, and so it can be rejected. But the open theist system, in which uh, uh, presentism is true, people can make decisions, can do things, there's no set truth values to the future, that system makes sense. We, we experience it day in, day out. We have a vast familiarity with it, experience with it. We understand how it operates a lot differently than their theoretical systems, which nobody has experience with and internally, internally is incoherent. Anyway, so we're running about 45 minutes. I'm going to call it quits there for tonight. I am a little bit sick. I've been sick for like a, about a week. Probably got the COVID. Maybe something like that. Probably not. I took a test and they, they said I didn't. But uh, something like that. Uh, we might come back and readdress this. There's some more talking points. I'm not sure how much uh, more that we could glean out of this. But, but just in summary... The Arminian position is the same as the Calvinist position in which there is an eternal set of propositional truth values for all things that will ever happen. This truth list is not generated by our free actions. It's inherent in God, co-eternal with God. It didn't ever come to God or flow from God from outside himself. It's not like our decisions generated that list. And so we, that tells us that tells us that all our actions in the future are not our own decisions, are not all our own determinations. Not even God's decisions and actions in the future are his own. In this scenario, in this system, God is as bound as fate as open theists, as or anyone really. Uh, anyone in this system is bound by fate and so is God. God cannot subvert something he knows will happen. Because if he could, then he didn't know it will happen. He didn't know that, per their definitions of what their knowledge is. In open theism, all, all the time, God could subvert what he knows will happen because open theists use the normal, functional, rational definition of knowledge, which can be falsified. Knowledge can be falsified in our day-to-day -day interactions. Uh, we, we can know something, and then that thing doesn't have to turn out. And so only in open theism does it make sense. Can the future be open? Can God make volitional decisions? Can man have free will? Only in open theism. Anyways, questions and comments, put them down below. Thank you for listening.